Today on Hidden Jukebox, Skid Row, Slave to the Grind. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was listening to 18 and Life this morning and, and thinking like, oh, I wish we could do this song. <laughs> Today on Hidden Jukebox, 18 and Life, Sebastian Bach was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, for sure, but with great hair. Still has great hair. Does he really? Yeah. I'm Googling Sebastian Bach 2020. Nineteen ninety-three was a year of musical highlights, from Whitney Houston's remake of "I Will Always Love You" to Snow's "Informer" to Silk's "Freak Me." It was clear that R&B was here to stay. Little did they know that a small corner of the world was about to fall in love with a young girl in a bee costume. Blind Melon was about as likely to have a hit song as Tiny Tim was to make a comeback. Well, video, do things right, and MTV could turn you into stars overnight. No Rain was just the happy pop song that the grunge and alternative world needed at the time. Okay, so the lyrics are actually dark and sad, as is Blind Melon's story. Yet while many of the hits of 1993 have drifted into obscurity, No Rain seems to have survived in people's hearts and minds. It is a truly timeless song from a band that was there and gone too soon. Today on Hidden Jukebox, Blind Melon's 1993 hit, No Rain. I love the idea that, that Whitney Houston was sitting at home watching MTV and uh, the No Rain video came on and she's like, damn it, I'm done. <laughs> well, I was hoping that I was going to look into this and go, wow, it hit number one. It totally didn't hit number one. It was like number, number 20, something yeah, like that. But yeah, but it, it, it was still like when you watched MTV back in 1993, there's no way that you didn't see the No Rain video. Everybody knows it. I have been reading a uh, an oral history of MTV um, called I Want My MTV. It was published maybe 10 years ago. And there are so many things in this book that I didn't know. The The one that blew my mind the most is that uh, MTV was founded by a company that was uh, a media company dreamed up by the CEO of American Express and the CEO of Warner Brothers. What? <laughs> this is 100% true. It was called like <sighs> Warner, Warner Amex, Warner Express, something like that. This is that, totally true. Well, music videos kind of existed in the 70s, yep. but there was no platform for them whatsoever. That's exactly like, what the book is about. I don't I don't even know where they were shown in the first place in the 70s. Um they were shown on like top of the pops, <laughs> that sort of thing, which is why they were pretty much all kind of live performances. Like you don't see 70s videos that were like directed by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, the exception like being that. like the the first like hit music video was Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yep. Um we weren't going to discuss this. It wasn't in the notes, but looking at these hits from 1993, I feel like there was this post or during grunge thing of like an identity conflict in terms of popular music where nobody could decide what which direction they want to go in and it kind of makes me wonder if music is always like that or they're constantly trying to diversify oh that's a good question i think i think we would have to like look back at the billboard chart history but i think to, at least to some extent music is always like that i don't think i don't think there's ever been a moment where like you could be confident that every week everything on the chart on the pop charts would be would be a rock song or would be a uh, you know a pop song or a di and, disco song and yet you I, I think i can safely say that there aren't really any major boy bands that are currently 
really, really popular. What about BTS? Oh, damn it, you lost me already. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Uh, BTS see, see, I, is, is I the, shouldn't speak of things that I don't know about. BTS is the number one K-pop band in the world. Okay, that American boy bands, is that... It, is that unfair to pigeonhole it like that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I think I think if you listen to BTS, like, they certainly fall within the the what you think of when you think a boy band genre. But I do feel like there are eras where boy bands have made comebacks. Absolutely, like, yes. Oh no, no there's the no there's no question. Bands. Like, you know that uh, that musical genres, you know, wax and wane. Yeah, and there's been eras where like hard rock has make made huge comebacks, and mm-hmm. eras where it's like. I can't name a single hard rock band that's popular right now. Yeah. So uh, uh, Greta Van Fleet is that what they're called? They're they're not a hard rock band. Okay. They're a, they're a Led Zeppelin ripoff band. Okay. How is that different from a hard rock band? Um, is, is a hard rock band like Poison? Uh, I I more think of like Disturbed. Oh, okay, fair. Think things like that shine down. Uh, but I I think of like. Greta Van Fleet as trying to do this throwback 70s thing. Oh, for sure. Which leads very well into Blind Melon because I feel like Blind Melon was trying to do kind of a throwback 70s thing. Yeah. What genre would you place this song in? I was trying to think about that this morning and you, I was surprised when I looked at the at the uh, agenda and you mentioned that uh, you, you thought that this was related to like the rise of jam bands at the time. And I was like, of course, that totally makes sense in terms of in terms of the sound of the band, which is, you know, it's it's folk influenced. It's, you know, Grateful Dead influenced. It sounds like a lot of those other jam bands, but they weren't really jammy, were they? Well, I don't know, because I unfortunately never got saw got to see them live. And I will say that I am an unapologetic Blind Melon fan. Like I, I love all of their stuff. I still listen to their second album, Soup, about once a month because I absolutely love it. And it's one of the worst reviewed albums of all time. Yeah, I, you told me that, and I meant to listen to it before we recorded, and I didn't get to it. And it's got this kind of jam band type feel to it. It doesn't mean that they're jamming on the album. It's just that compared to what was coming out and listed as grunge and alternative, it's hard to compare this to a lot of that music. It's, I mean, what it has that puts it in the, in the jam band camp, I think is that it is laid back. Like, well, it's got the, the dual guitars. Yeah. Uh, it's got, uh, the, the kind of, I don't want to say bouncy feel to it, but like, I mean, it's this not, song has a bouncy feel. It, it's not dark. It's it. It feels like the type of thing that you can stand in a field and spin to. Yes, for sure. Um, so it's one of so, my favorite things to do. Really, is stand in a field and spin. I do it whenever I can. Uh, if you've never been to a jam band show, you don't realize that a lot of people do that, and it's always been really embarrassing to watch um yeah I, I applied for a job as a scarecrow still waiting to hear on that uh <laughs> have i ever been to a jam band show i'm not sure did did you look at the list of of who used to play uh horde fest um oh i've seen spin doctors play okay but it was in it was like at a festival context where it wasn't a jam band festival i think oh yeah yeah wait a minute you took me to that show did we I? saw them in together Portland? 
Yeah, Spin Doctor, Soul Asylum, and Screaming Trees. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. August 16th, 1993. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, so I have seen the Spin Doctors as well. So, John Popper in 1992 uh, formed a festival called, festival called Horde Festival, and the idea of it was that these bands were big enough to fill anywhere from 500 to about two, three thousand person rooms, but they weren't big enough to play big outdoor amphitheaters, and there aren't a lot of small outdoor amphitheaters so john popper got this idea that let's put all of these bands that draw 500 to 3,000 people together on a tour and we can fill the amphitheater and uh and play these big outdoor shows during summertime and so i feel like blind melon kind of fits in with these bands that were kind of in that vein of we specialize in live music. Maybe you can't call them jam bands, but they're the type of band that gets associated with great live shows. So yeah, absolutely. Spin Doctors, Blues Traveler, Dave Matthews Band, Fish, Rusted Root, uh, one of my least favorite bands. Um, and it makes sense that John Popper would do this because like, when he played a show without those other bands around to, to protect him, bullies would steal all of his harmonicas. It was really ugly. And then that, a hook would carry him off. <laughs> that that was a really, really bad joke. Yeah, thank you. Um, did, did you know that Blues Traveler, uh, pre-COVID, still plays Red Rocks every 4th of July? I'm not surprised. Yeah, but that place holds 9,000 people. Do you really think that 9,000 people are still showing up to see Blues Traveler at Red Rocks every 4th of July? I mean, what, what do you think there's some sort of conspiracy? Uh, you ask a lot of people who see a lot of music and there are like petitions to get Red Rocks to stop letting Blues Traveler play on 4th of July. <laughs> I am not joking because people are like, I want to have a blast on 4th of July and I just can't have a blast seeing Blues Traveler at Red Rocks. I want to see somebody else. I, they yeah, usurped that, I, it. I think I think people should put a lot of effort into that petition. <laughs> <laughs> that it's, seems to be like the most pressing problem facing us at this point. Yeah, it's, it's like COVID, you know, Matthew and I are on the West Coast and have been dealing with smoke from forest fires. RBG died last night. But let's get Blues Traveler out of Red Rocks before anything else. Right. Um, <laughs> now, the Horde Festival, that must have been like a, a cool acronym, right? It was. Oh, I, I looked this th- up at some point, like in the last couple of weeks, and I already forgot. It was something like Horizons of Rock developing everywhere. It it was that they originally called it something else, and uh, but it was offensive, and they had to change it. Oh, it was Horizons of Rock developing East Coast, and uh, the vision okay. spread to everywhere, so the name was created. Um. Yes. Well, we I, we all need to do our part to stop the spread of of Blues Traveler. <laughs> But the the list of people who played this festival, which um, ironically, Blind Melon never did. <laughs> right. I was going to ask. Um, Beck did. Mm-hmm. The Allman Brothers Band. 311. Spiritualized. King Crimson played. Wow. This festival. Primus. Like Ziggy Marley. There were some huge names. I actually went to Horde Festival 1995. I saw Lenny Kravitz there. Um Oh, and my favorite, the Bare Naked Ladies. Uh-huh. Yeah. It it was it was a big deal. 
Uh, did you ever go to, to Van's Warp Tour? I never did. I didn't either, but it seems like I would have enjoyed it. That that festival um, definitely ran its course. Oh, for sure. Um, so anyway, let's get back to... Let's get uh, back to No Rain. To No Rain. Uh, what do you think of Shannon Hoon's vocals? Um, I think it's an acquired taste. I think I think he's like an amazing singer in that he has a very like unusual voice, although he does sound a little bit like Sebastian Bach, which is why I was listening to 18 in Life this morning. Um, and I think he absolutely could have, if he wanted to, fronted like, uh, you know, an 80s metal band. Um, and in fact, like I was uh, was reading the the uh, Wikipedia page for uh, uh, for Blind Melon and uh and we knew we knew that he knew Axl Rose because it was in the documentary All I Can Say, which we both recommend. So on the Wikipedia page, I learned that in Los Angeles, Hoon befriended his sister Anna's high school friend Axl Rose. Rose invited Hoon to join him in the studio where his band Guns N' Roses were recording their albums Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2, both released in 1991. Hoon sang backing vocals on several of the tracks, including The Garden and Don't Cry. Rose also invited Hoon to appear in the video for Don't Cry. And I did remember that once I read it, but I'd completely forgotten gotten it i i'm willing to bet that 99 percent of the people who listen to this are going to go what excellent <laughs> i i mean if you listed uh artists that one of the members of blind melon befriended i don't think that axel rose would make the top 10 of anybody's list um yeah no i i absolutely agree um, but he had, you know, the kind of voice where like, you know, if he was if he was a guy like playing acoustic guitar, sitting on the couch at a party, like, you know, he would fit in perfectly in that context, but could also, you know, really like blow some crazy high notes. Yeah. And you watch videos of them on stage during their two years that they were really touring yeah. and, and people knew them. And he was magnetic yeah absolutely he he was such a performer yeah no i went into this documentary thinking like i don't know if i want to watch 90 minutes of like a guy who was a fuck up and he was a fuck up but like a fuck up that you could not stop watching right uh that was one of the questions i want i wanted to ask is do you lose respect for a band or an artist who can't keep it together due to drugs and alcohol. Do you, do I don't you just think find, so. Do you find it to be a sad story? Are you happy the music exists in the first place? I mean, yes, both of those things. Like, I, I, I can feel angry about it. Like, you know, there, there is definitely not a month that goes by that I don't think about. Like, you know, I wish I could hear, you know, the the next couple of decades of of songs written and performed by Kurt Cobain. Like. To, Two days ago was the 50th anniversary of Jimi Hendrix's death. Yeah. Which means that he would be 77 today. I mean, there is a very good chance that he would still be making music. Yeah. Like he would be, he'd be like posing by the Jimi Hendrix statue on Broadway. (laughs) Um, Yes, because that would still be there. (laughs) That would definitely still be there. Um, Yeah, that that is what bothers me about it. Um, You know, like I... I don't blame someone for, you know, being unable to um, uh, to beat drug addiction Um, like, you know, that is that is a shitty thing to have to go through. And, you know, you know, I think probably he did his best like everyone does. Um, You know, it's that uh, it's like not getting to see them, you know, grow as an artist um, is uh, that's what upsets me. Yeah, that's that's what's tough for me is I. 
I want more from them. And some of these bands uh, instantly decide if any of the members die, that's it. Um, and some of these bands try to replace people. And Blind Melon is a band that still is recording to this day mm-hmm. and has kept it together. But nobody really sounds like Shannon Hoon. Yeah. And the guy that they replaced him with, it just it doesn't do it for me. It's not the same. So even though I'm happy that the guys continue to play together, it it's not a replacement. Yeah. No, I'll give you I'll give you a di- another example where where like it was very difficult for me um, to to keep listening. Although I do is uh, uh, the Loud Family, which is. Uh, was never never a well known band, but uh, you know one of my favorite bands, and uh, we you know we knew the band, um, and uh, you know they stayed at our house once when they were on tour, uh, and uh, you know Lori and I both uh, absolutely loved that band, and uh, you know Scott Miller, the the lead singer and songwriter, uh, committed suicide uh, a few years ago, and like it was really hard to go back and listen to those songs, especially since a lot of the songs are about depression, uh, and uh, you know that that made me mad. Yeah, it it happens over and over again. Um, you know, uh, uh, Chris Cornell. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that Soundgarden isn't trying to replace him because talk about an irreplaceable voice. Oh I, yeah, I, absolutely. Um, like I said, I've been I've been getting back into singing quite a bit, and uh, you know, getting getting better and better. Like you know, being able to like feel the improvement. I'm like, ooh, you know, you know what song would be really fun to th- sing is uh, "Holy Water" by Soundgarden. I wonder, if, I wonder if I could do that. I put that song out. I'm like, nope, he's playing nope. a totally different game. Not even close. <laughs> not, not a chance in hell. Uh, yeah. So so Shannon to me is is another irreplaceable voice. It's very hard to do what he does. Yeah. Um. And I I think that part of what made No Rain great was him and was the fact that there weren't a lot of people who did what what he did in terms of it's not falsetto. He's just singing at the high end of his chest voice. Oh, yeah. No, I can tell you all about what he's doing. I can't do it, but uh, it's a mixed voice. Y- yeah. And and a lot of 80s rock singers did it mm-hmm. with like like trying to make things sound more metal but he's doing it in this kind of gentle fashion yeah that's what makes it interesting i agree and and with with pretty much all of their stuff it it wasn't like he was doing something special on no rain this is just the way that he trained himself to sing you know who sort of sings like that today is bon Iver. Yes, you know Although, his, his style is very different, but uh, you know he is he is using his voice in the same unusual sort of way that you don't hear a lot. You you don't feel like a lot of what Justin Vernon is doing is falsetto. Uh, I think he's definitely doing a lot of falsetto. Let's let's really get into lizards are going to love this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you can hear him doing pure head voice. You can hear him doing light mix. You can do hear him doing more of a chesty mix and and chest voice. He is, he is a master of the entire range of his voice. Yeah, um, that that's one of the things I think about when I listen to Shannon Hoon is he was young enough. I don't know. Like one of my problems with people who sing like him is could they keep it going into their fifties? Oh yeah, their I don't Sixties, but at the age that he was at. He had such control over that range of his voice that everything sounds so strong the way that he sings it. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly no reason he couldn't have done it for another 20 years. 
maybe, maybe not. Like, yeah. I, I think I've mentioned I didn't see Bob Seger on his last tour because he he doesn't sound like Bob Seger anymore. <laughs> yes, but as I mentioned when you said that, Bob Seger is 75. Well, if Shannon Hoon had lived to 75, I probably wouldn't go and see him. Right. That's why I said 20 years, not 50 years. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, you want to mention the structure of this song, which... Uh, I I hadn't really thought about. I yeah, I hadn't either and I tried to puzzle it out this morning. There are so many songs that we get into where like, you know, you think of songs as having a verse and a chorus and a bridge and then like you get to actual songs in the real world and it's just usually not that simple. Yeah, it the whole song is singable. So it does have a repeated chorus, but it's not the everybody knows the first line of this song. Yes. It's it's like that's the most well-known part of this song. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely. Um the the part that that they repeat the I just want someone to save me. It's a chorus, but it's it's following the same uh chord changes as the as the verses, right? It's slightly different. Uh but it's it's you could you could certainly like I th- also I thought the same thing until I looked up the chords. I know this song really well, and yeah. and the one thing that I want to get back to is, uh, this is a great debut album. We have talked about great sophomore albums on this show before, and Soup, Blind Melon's sophomore album, and really their only other studio album. They've got an album of kind of outtakes, but their their second album, Soup, is just so well done so brilliant and i i don't know why people panned it like i can't hear the what it is that people didn't oh, like sure. about it i'm not sure the production is the best but i absolutely love the songwriting and anybody who likes no rain has heard more of blind melon but never listened to that album i highly recommend you go which back and which song would you recommend if you had to pick one Oh, St. Andrew's Fall. Okay. Absolutely. It's It's got two separate parts to it. So it's got this really beautiful beginning section. And then it's got this second really, really fast section. And actually a third really sad section. It's about a uh, suicide that happened outside of one of their shows in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of a... It, it brings together everything that's great about the band and everything that they could do. Okay, yeah, so go listen to that. We'll link to it in the in the show notes uh, at uh, hiddenjukebox.com. Um, oh, we should mention that this song was written by uh, the bassist, Brad Smith. Which is so weird, because out of all of their songs, this is the one song that I'm like, I don't really hear any bass on this. Uh, yes, and my joke was, uh, it, that explains why this song has always reminded me of Dyer's Eve. What the hell is Dyer's Eve? Fuck! Dude, uh, Dyer's Eve is the is the closing song on "And Justice for All." Oh, <laughs> one of my all time favorite Metallica songs. Oh, I should have known that. See, this is why I should listen to the very end of albums, dear not mother, just the first dear half. father. That one. Yeah, totally. When I think of No Rain, I think of Metallica. <laughs> uh, all right, so hiddenjukebox.com, uh, Facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox, uh, Instagram.com slash jukeboxhidden. Um, tell your friends about us, you know, leave uh, us a review, leave us a review. I would, I would love to see that. And, uh, you know, like us on Facebook, uh, follow our page because 
I spend a lot of time on there just waiting to uh, comment back on your people's comments. You just you just like uh, lurk on yeah, the page I'm, all day. I'm a, like, I'm a lurker on my own page. Like you're you're waiting to snipe at an eBay auction. Yeah, how, how's that for narcissism? Speaking of the 90s. <laughs> uh, all right, until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster-Burton.